If you are wanting to make a million dollars in your business, it is best to find somebody as a coach who has made a million dollars because correct. if they haven't, they can't take you there, right? If you're looking for six figures, it's again, best to find somebody that has taken people to six figures before. Yes. And on the other side of that, the fallacy is, is that it's easy. There is nothing about business that is easy. It doesn't have to be hard. It's just work. Yeah, it's effortful. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta do stuff. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, sales trainer and self-professed Muppet, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the brilliant and lovely Jennifer Tamborski. Jennifer Tamborski is a digital marketing strategist and CEO for Virtual Marketing Experts. She delivers high-energy keynote presentations that give a unique twist on common marketing topics. Her talks break down marketing into understandable processes designed to help the audience remove marketing overwhelm and grow their business. She and her team work behind the scenes in their clients' businesses, creating, managing, and optimizing profitable digital marketing strategies and campaigns that produce unprecedented levels of growth for those businesses. Jennifer Tamborski, before we finally, finally embark in one of the largest pop culture quests that I have undertaken on this show, before we get there, and we will get there, folks. I have the pleasure of asking you the question, what the heck do small business owners need to focus on this week? So in my world, small business owners need to focus on marketing, like all marketing all the time, because reality is the big secret about business is in order to create consistent profits in your business, you must have consistent leads so that you can have consistent sales. No. (laughs) And if you're not marketing your business, you're not going to get those consistent leads, which means your whole business is a roller coaster event of up and down and, you know, feast and famine, which I don't know about you, but that does not make me happy. I mean, I've lived in that place for a really long time and I have muscle memory of that place and I would really like to not go back there. Like I think about that dry pipeline as like the part, this is not our pop culture topic, everybody, but just roll with it. (laughs) Um, Where like that part in the Lion King while Simba's gone, that pride rock turns into the elephant graveyard. Like that's how I think about my dry ass pipeline. It's like nothing can grow here. That's exactly it. This is a barren wasteland of work stress. Like nothing can grow here because I have no nutrients left. Like this is a wasteland of sad stress, overwhelm and overwork and 
probably over delivering, right? So I love that idea of making sure that your marketing is keyword consistent so that you can have that pipeline consistent. So if anything, it runs to a trickle, but not a drought. I think what a lot of business owners, um, when it comes to that consistency, there's there's three types of business owners. There's the business owner that doesn't market at all, right? They have they have no idea how to start. They're afraid to get out there. They're in um, what my business coach calls entrepreneur witness protection program. Where <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. It's a fabulous term where they just tell your business coach to make shirts for that because that's good. It is. It is a fantastic term because a lot of people do start there. They don't tell anybody that they even have a business. And if you don't tell anyone you have a business, they can't buy from you. Right. Or they're in that um, feast and famine mode. Like they get, they market for a very short time, maybe a month or two, and then they get three or four clients and it's enough to satisfy that need for income. Yeah. And then they stop marketing until they need more clients. And one of the things they don't think they realize, or most people don't realize, is that marketing efforts sometimes take 30, 60, 90 days to actually bring forth results. Or longer. Or longer. You know, 30, 60, 90 days is conservative. It really is. Like, a lot of us are playing long games. And, you know, you're on a podcast right now. I was on your podcast earlier this week. Podcast interviewing, apart from just being a whole lot of fun, can be great marketing, but it's a long-ass lead time, right? So, for example... If I had a backlog of episodes, which I don't, this is coming out in like three weeks from right now. But if I had a long backload of episodes, let's imagine that you were relying on me and this show to grow a launch for you, to bring new eyeballs in. Of course, that's the goal, right? But if I had a backlog of shows, it's very possible that this interview could come out in June. It's January, Right. So we got to play that long game because sometimes we don't have control over how long something takes or how long it takes to vest or how many brand impressions it really takes before someone steps up to the plate and says, you know what, my interest in them is more important to me than the inertia I'm feeling. And that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing I, I think most people are also unaware of is that it can sometimes take hundreds of impressions of you in front of somebody, especially in this day and age where they're inundated with everything. I mean, we thought TV commercials when we were kids and, well, in my (laughs) generation anyway. (laughs) Oh, y'all hear the Gen X shame in that? Do y'all hear the Gen X shame that is she is chucking at this elder millennial me. Like, do you hear my generation? Yes, your generation. Well, I mean, my kids didn't watch a whole lot of commercials. They streamed things on Netflix. So there wasn't a whole lot of commercials in that. Right. And even nowadays, if you're watching Hulu or whatever, and you don't pay for the upgrade to not get commercials, you're getting commercials. Yeah. That used to be the only method one of the only methods, but the most common method to get your message in front of people. With social media platforms and podcasting and all of the things nowadays that are out there, 
It's become just this flux of information, good, bad, or indifferent information. It's all just this influx of information, which means people really need that interaction with you multiple times, maybe hundreds of times. Yes. A zillion, billion, trillion. Sometimes without, so without actually keeping them engaged throughout the process, nurturing them all the whole time, you never know when they're going to be ready. I've had clients that have had people on their email list for three to five years before they've bought for them. Others, you know, other people are ready right away, but you always want to keep in mind to continually bring in those leads because you don't know how long that lead is going to take. You may get one lead that's ready to buy immediately and the next lead, it may be two years. Yeah, and in my business, I have both. I have a client right now that has been hanging out in my orbit for no joke, 10 years and has been like on my and has seen me because she's been around for 10 years. She's seen me through like 87 different pivots. So I tell her, like, I finally just hit the lottery of pivoting to the thing she actually needed because she's been hanging out around me for 10 years. And then I have another client who I dearly, dearly love that heard me on one podcast and hired me the next day. We just don't know. We don't know where people are in their learning curve. We don't know where they are in their financial, like, stats. We don't know what their stressors are that are either fanning the flame of them hiring you or making them feel like that's inaccessible. We don't know. So all we can do is show up and show up over and 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 over. You are very correct, which makes it so important that if even if you have a full client roster, like if you're a coach or or whatever, and you have a full client roster, it is still important to continue to fill those leads because at some point you're not going to. And if you don't have a base to sell into, guess what? You're starting all over again. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I teach sales, y'all. I teach sales. But if you don't have an audience of any kind or you are unwilling to accrue one, I could teach you what to say when you find people, but you still have to go out and get those people. I cannot invent a pipeline for you just because your selling strategy walks in any eat like any more than I could teach you how to sell by having your marketing be good, right? Like this is a partnership. This is a trade-off. We talked about this on your show. Marketing and sales are not the same damn department, right? But we need to be fostering both. But they are friends. They're buddies. Yes, they're biffles, right? But like, I think especially in digital marketing, which is your area, and especially in online digital entrepreneurship, infopreneurship, all the portmanteaus you could possibly need with the word preneur. One of the things that I see us get really hooked on is this nebulous term called a launch, which means 97,000 different things to 97,000 different people. And yet everyone's like, what are you launching? When is your launch? Oh, I just launched. Well, launches are stressful. No, launches aren't stressful. Launches can be lean. Launches can be luscious. Launches can be everything. Launch, 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 launch. Okay, so what is your freaking definition of the word launch? And why is everyone so obsessed with this concept? So launching is really simple. It's just putting a product out there at a specific time frame. 
That's mm-hmm. it. Like that's the simplest definition of a launch. There's different tactics you can take in a launch and there's different processes you can go through when it comes to launching your product, service, or solution. But in reality, it's just putting it out there. Now, the biggest mistake people make when they launch is that they launch into nothing land. Yes. Again, back to, yes. Back to that lead generation. They got 87,000 nurture emails that go to nobody. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the biggest mistake people make, especially in like the info product section where you're creating this course. You spend months and months and months and sometimes years creating and perfecting this course. And then you're like, okay, I'm ready to sell it. But you haven't spent any time growing an audience to sell it to. So then you launch into wah, 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 like nobody. Um, And then you're disappointed and you're dejected and all the things that go around, you know, I suck, my product sucks. When reality is, is if you had spent some time marketing and building up a leads generation, when you opened your doors and said, hey, I have this new pretty shiny project product, people would have bought it. Yes. Or at least considered it. Mm -hmm. You know, you would have gotten farther into consideration that you could have done some data. You know, you could have mined some data. You could have gotten some feedback. You could have pivoted if necessary. But, you know, I totally see what you're talking about because people buy and I'm not not I'm not. okay. hold on. I'm being very bitchy this episode and I want to just make sure that I'm being utterly clear and reminding my dear beloved listeners who know me that I say this bitchiness out of love and I say this bitchiness at my former self. I'm not trying to chew you out. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I was you. But launches feel, and I'm not dogging the whole idea of a launch, y'all. Don't at me. But launches feel so significant and event-based and humongous that we get this idea that if I just launch, if I build it, it will come. No, Feel the Dreams is bullshit. You have to put up a billboard. You have to tell everyone to come. You have to remind them to come. You have to send them a coupon code for their friends. You got to email them 57 times. You got to have the strobe lights in the air. If you could hire a blimp, great. Like, no one is coming to a baseball field they don't know about except ghosts. Like in that, I say that in my own podcast on a regular basis. You know, none of us are Kevin Costner. It's just not happening. No, again, not our pop culture topic, but important, right? Like (laughs) if you build it, they will come is means ghosts. We don't need ghosts. Most of us serve the living. Okay, exactly. Exactly. And there's this whole to get off into a different tangent, but this whole idea of bringing things to you and and this idea that God will provide or or whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. the reality. And there's this, this story out there that goes around the internet all the time about the, the man who was in a flood and he climbs on his roof and someone comes by and says, hop in the boat. And he's like, no, no, God will save me. And then a helicopter comes and he says, no, no, God will save me. And then like the water rises, he dies, he gets to God and God's like, I sent you a helicopter and a boat. What more did you want? Like you do have to do the work. You have to step into it or manifestation and, you know, God and whatever it is you want to call it isn't really going to work if you're not doing the work up front. Exactly. 
you got to work with the universe, not against it. If you're rejecting help and you're rejecting growth, you're working against it. Absolutely. Right? You're working against it. And so I, oh, man, I would, I could just picture me being like, nah, I'm cool. Like, rolls over, like, does a little sunbathing. Like, people are like, Annie, get in the freaking boat. I'd be like, okay, 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 okay. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because visibility is vulnerable. It is. And so a lot of us feel that if we just sit and wait for the right people to find us, that naturally they'll be led to us and they will. And it's like, okay, but visibility is vulnerable until you realize that it's not actually about you, right? Like you are showing yourself for someone else. I just watched this really sad, amazing, rough, documentary about a football player, Manti Teo, who very famously got super catfished by this now woman, transgender woman, uh, who at the time was male presenting and was catfishing Manti Teo and was like a girlfriend and then the girlfriend, air quotes, died. Died. And it was this whole big thing. And, and, you know, they could have really villainized that woman, the catfish. They could have really villainized her. And they do. They say, like, she needs to atone and take responsibility and do these things. And she's been forgiven by Manti and all these things. But they really allowed her to show her story and her struggle and also her strength. Because at the end, she's moved back to American Samoa. She's dancing. She's found this new identity. She's living as her true self. And they said, like, why would you put yourself through this? Like, why would you agree to be in this documentary? And she said, because I need other people to see not to make the choices I made. And also if they go down a wrong path that they can heal their own lives. And I was like, see, that is not her being visible for her. She is not trying to be a fame whore. She never wanted to be found. She wanted to stay in obscurity. That's why she killed the damn girlfriend. Right. So the fact that she wound up an international news sensation for months is not her ideal, but the visibility now It's not for her and it's not for Manti. It's for people out there who are so lonely that they feel like catfishing is their only recourse. And I'm like, see, that is strength. That is vulnerable visibility for the purpose of others. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, my hair, my face, my that's just ego, y'all. We're out here trying to impact someone. We're out here trying to enable change. We can't do that in entrepreneurial witness protection, like you said. Absolutely cannot. And here's the reality. There are going to be trolls. I mean, there are trolls on the internet and you don't have to listen to them, right? You can recognize that they're trolls and that, (laughs) you know, what they say doesn't actually matter. Here's the second part to that. Visibility, your audience, this sounds really mean, but they don't care about you. They care about what you can do for them. Yeah. So if you're out there presenting information and presenting yourself as the solution for whatever their problem is, they're not going to care that you're, you have gray hair or you have red hair or you have a pimple on your nose. They want and need what it is you provide them. And that's the most important thing to them. Yeah. And what are the things they say about trolls? Like people always, people only throw shade on shiny things. Yeah. Right. And and those are your the people that are trolling you are not your ideal client. I think we can make no. that 
very sweeping generalization. And I think we can lean into it, right? Like the people you're afraid of coming at you are not the people that are going to turn around and invest in you ever. So who are you so worried about embarrassing yourself in front of? I mean, if you are very sensitive, like if you read all of the comments and you know, it's going to hurt your feelings. I suggest you hire someone to read the comments for you. Like mm-hmm. stay off, stay off. If you're if you're running ads or posting on social media or even on YouTube or whatever, stay off the comment section, hire a VA or somebody that can monitor your reputation and answer questions so that you don't get hit with that emotional yeah. damage. Because exactly. it's hard, it hurts. I'm not going to sit here and say that when you get trolled, it doesn't hurt. When I got that thing on YouTube that I talk about all the time, that's like, why would I want to learn sales from a fat girl? That that hurt. Yeah, that really, absolutely. really hurt. And then I went, I don't know anything about this person. I don't know anything about their life. I don't know anything. I could look like their abusive ex-wife. I don't know. Right. I don't know why they chose to lash out on me. It's not on me to know. I'm here to serve the people that are going to treat me right so that I can treat them right and they can treat me right and I can treat them right. It's not going to be this guy who apparently can't learn anything from the multi-chinned. Okay. (laughs) Fine, dude. Like, do what you do. So I think that that is just so, so key. Now, another thing that I think we get into this idea of launch, right? Everything has to be huge. Everything has to be fast. Everything has to be limited. And then you can get away with having no marketing in between. Myth. Myth. Big myth. Uh, Huge myth. But I also, not for nothing, you, your firm, you and your team and your firm do outbound initiatives. That's what you do. And so, you know, ads and content and funnels and all the things. But in addition to talking about the value of those things, I want to talk to you specifically about social listening, Um, because I don't think people like us necessarily talk about that value enough. And this pressure on content, not that content isn't extremely important. It totally is. But one of the main hesitations I hear all the time is like, I just can't keep coming up with stuff. And then my answer to that is, well, until you decide what to come up with next, go in and engage on other people's stuff. Go have conversations, get in those comments, make new friends. What is your, I call it social listening, but what is your stance, your take on helping people follow you back home through the other parts of social media? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll start with content. Content creation can be overwhelming. It doesn't need to be. There are very simple tricks and tips you can do in order to create content. I literally record three podcasts in one day because I do one um, interview a month and then the rest are solo. So in one day I sit down and record all three of those podcasts. I do it on video and then I chop up that video and guess what? That's content. So content doesn't have to be as overwhelming. And I totally get the idea thing because sometimes I, on my solo episodes, I'm like, what am I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I get that. That's why I don't have solo episodes. There's not been a solo episode and that's because I'd be like, what do I want to talk about? I don't know. So that's why I bring y'all on. Y'all are so I don't have to make decisions and I salute you. But that batching, I mean, you batch and batching works for you. 
I love it. Yeah. If batching works for you, that's the way to go. Um, and I think it's it can definitely. I did 13 reels in two hours the other day. I just you're a down, maniac. <laughs> recorded. They're just they're two minutes long. Like you just have a topic and go about it. Like so <laughs> I actually I talk really fast. So I can do I actually can do get more information into reels than than a lot of people think. The solo episodes were harder because they were 15 minutes long. And I was like, here's what you need to know. But then I had to like, really dive into it. That's the other reason I don't do solo episodes. Like these podcast episodes are already an hour. If I do a solo episode, it's going to be like a six and a half hour dissertation <laughs> on what we can learn from the orcs of Lord of the Rings. Like people, <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. I don't even want to hear that. Like, come on. Uh, uh, I agree with you. Okay. So to social listening, how to get people to follow you back. Comment, like, obviously being out there following and commenting on, there's a term in networking called power partners, right? People that are in front of your audience, but don't necessarily do the same thing you do. That's the simplest yeah. de definition of a power partner. So mm -hmm. if you're finding people online that do that, for instance, for me, I like to follow other coaches who coach and train coaches because then I'm I'm creating a relationship with them um, and having comments. So when they bring up marketing, I can comment. I can make myself available and give that information and that value, which then introduces people and connects them. And they're like, oh, let me go connect with you and, and that kind of thing. So I think that's incredibly important um, if you are not up to creating content or you're not up to doing something like running ads or something like that, using social media effectively to create relationships. I mean, that's all marketing is, is creating a relationship. That's all sales is, is creating a yep. relationship and, and providing them value. So using it to your advantage can really help you grow your business. Heck yes. Heck yes, because it also, I mean, not for nothing. One of the main things I do in social listing that people are like, well, what's your main strategy for this? And depending on what they're selling or what niche they're trying to get into or whatever, I can put more uh, framework around this. But most of the time I'm like, you know, what's a really great thing of social listening that that people do wrong, but is so easy. We see a lot of the like great posts and the like raised hands and the hearts and the everything else. Yes. And I'm like, that's almost right. That's almost right but it's not right it's not right because we look at those posts as likes and we don't see them as anything more you could write oh wow what a great post no one will care okay right. but instead the currency of enthusiasm on the internet genuine interest curiosity and enthusiasm cannot be beat so what i do when i'm social listening is i just get online and i get curious and I look for things that delight my curiosity. And then I comment on those things with how they delighted my curiosity. So I'm like, whoa, I never thought about that before. I think that's so interesting. Normally, when I think about this, I think about this. Thanks for the reframe. It's the exact same thing as great post. I'm just being more enthusiastic and more specific. And not only that, if you can start a conversation on somebody else's post, like that's also going to get the awareness of the person you're commenting on because you've just developed engagement on their social media post. They didn't have to do anything, which makes 
engagement is how social media survives, right? Every social media post, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, doesn't matter. Engagement is what they want on their social media platform. That's that's the whole reason it's there. So if you're out social listening and you're finding somebody that um, maybe they're your ideal client and they posted something or you think they're your ideal client, right? We never know on social media. That's the other fallacy. What people put on social media isn't necessarily actually real. Oh, hold life. on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Tamborski. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that back to launches? Are you telling me that everyone that said that they had a million dollar launch with no work is not being honest? Are you saying that? I am saying that wholeheartedly because they may have had a million dollar launch, but it's the no work part that's a fucking lie. It is the biggest but they lie. They may have had me. a million dollar launch if they spent nine hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads, like maybe, or they may just have spent the last ten years growing an audience. Like there are people yes. out there that that have done that. Like they have focused on growing their audience. So when they have that million dollar launch, it's absolutely mm-hmm. a million dollar launch. It's just a million dollar launch spent with 10 years so many more, it. so many more particulars and factors that we will never see. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, although I do see all those videos of like influencers posing in kiddie pools to make them look like big pools and like the people that get kicked out of car dealerships for like going in and laying on Maseratis. Standing in front of an airplane, like all of that is trite. I mean, it is trite. It's, it's been done. People fell for it in the beginning. They no longer fall for that BS. Just saying. I'm going to find the shit. Like, I want to actually, you know, so (laughs) I'm going to shame my husband for a second. So several years ago, Ryan Steven Ruggles, uh, full name, because, you know, we're shaming, decided that he was going to accidentally crash my beautiful car at very slow speeds into a tree. And so my beautiful car, the Buckleberry Ferry, a bright orange Nissan, as people expect, uh, has a dent in the hood that has just always been there. So my version of like laying on a Maserati, I'm going to go out in the winter, my like salt covered car with the dent on the hood. And I'm just going to like lay on it in a sweatshirt and sweatpants and be like real life, baby, entrepreneurship, baby. Right. But like, you know, so goofy. Like it is this aspirational living stuff. It's important because it shows people the solution to the problem. But sometimes like your point, like, okay, if they're looking for a problem solver, they don't care if you have a pimple. Why would they care if you're laying on a Maserati? Like they won't care. Yeah. And let's be honest. If you are wanting to make a million dollars in your business, it is best to find somebody as a coach who has made a million dollars because correct. if they haven't, they can't take you there, right? If you're looking for six figures, it's again, best to find somebody that has taken people to six figures before. Yes. And on the other side of that, the fallacy is, is that it's easy. There is mm. nothing about business that is easy. It doesn't have to be hard. It's just work. Yeah, it's effortful. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta do stuff. Exactly. You are not going to sit over there and make even content creators like those people, those influencers or whatever you want to call them online. 
they produce so freaking much content. Yep. Their entire life is revolving around content. It's not like they're sitting on the poolside drinking mar- Mai Tais and margaritas and doing nothing. They are working their buns off to make the money they're making. It just looks effortless because they're making a two-minute reel or, or TikTok or whatever instead of... But once you actually hit the jackpot on that, that's a business, man. Yeah. And when it becomes a business, you got to work it like a business. You got to work it like a business. You got to keep it like a business because one flash in the pan success. We see this with virility on videos like one successful reel does not a company make. Nope. And the reality is, is if you treat your business like a hobby, it will pay you like a hobby. And I don't know about you, but my hobbies don't pay me. So if you want a business that's going to pay you, you have to work it like a business. I mean, if anyone would like to buy my crappy crochet squares, uh, contact me at yeah. <laughs> hey hey at too legit to quit dot com. But uh, I doubt it, right? It's it's not solving any particular problem, and I don't think there's really a market for subpar crochet at the moment. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that's totally true because again, content feels shiny and content feels purposeful, but it's really hard to pace your energy and your time. So that you're doing it right, which is why I love that you brought up batching, which is why I love that we talked about social listening, right? Like there are things that you could do to augment your marketing, to keep it going, to allow that consistency to be there so that you don't suddenly do what I did in early 2022, where you spend so much time in your business and on your business that you wake up one day and you're like, hey, I'm having a conversion event and I have no signups. Why? Because I don't have any new people in my life. Yep. Yeah. Right? Because everyone's already yeah. been to a non-sleazy sales academy open house. I either need to change up the conversion event, get new people, or most likely both. I had a client. So she's she's a former client um, working on, on her way back to me. But I had a client a couple of years ago decide ads were too expensive. That She was going to turn off ads. She just wasn't mm-hmm. getting the ROI she thought she should get on it. Yeah. So a year after that, which was this last year, she literally had the worst year in business she's ever had in her entire Mm. life. Why? Because she had zero new people coming in the door. I don't wish that hell on anyone. I mean, she had a really good, healthy email list. The, The thing is, is that email list stopped growing when she stopped running ads. And at that point, she didn't have new people coming in. So she was only selling to X amount, whatever her email list was at that point. I don't know. But let's say it's a thousand people. Hers was much bigger than that. But for numbers sake, let's say it's a thousand people. On average, about one to three percent of your people buy from you, which means at some point you run out of people to buy from you. So if every time you're launching or, or, you know, doing something like she had a group coaching program, every time she opened the doors, it just diminished the amount of people that she was actually bringing in the door because she diminished the amount of people she was adding to her email list. That's the problem. Yes. Yes. Exactly. A zillion, trillion, billion. New eyes, greatest hits, repurposing, social listening, getting your launch, but making sure you have that beautiful connective tissue in between your big stunts. I think that is, God, what haven't we covered today? Oh, I know. (laughs) What on earth does any of this have to do with 
any part or all of the international behemoth that never stops churning out new content. That's right. I'm talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What? What are we talking about? Well, let's be honest. They never stop. They never stop churning out content. That in and of itself <laughs> is huge. Some of my favorite all time. I've been I've been a MCU follower my entire life. Like I watched X Men when they were cartoons. <laughs> um, good for you. Again, do you hear? the Gen X disdain in this woman. Like, I watched the X-Men when they were cartoons. Okay, good for you. My generation popularized Hugh Jackman. Take that! It's fine. It's fine. I love it. Uh, True. Absolutely true. Um, No, so one of my favorite characters in the MCU is Iron Man. When it comes to business, because let's be honest, he's just a billionaire, like a billionaire with billion dollar toys. Yeah. For him, like it's always about creating something better, like learning from it's one of my favorite things about him is it's always learning from what didn't work. Yeah. In order to do something different the next time. Yes. Especially like his suit, like something will malfunction yep. in the suit. So he doesn't get a whole new suit. He just adds something really freaking cool to the suit to solve that problem. And Absolutely. then he's like, and while we're here, I'll make it able to order pizza while I'm flying around. Like, <laughs> why? I don't know. Because he's got a billion dollars and he wants a pizza. Like, go ahead, Tony Stark. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. And then he creates, then once he's perfected his suit, he creates a suit for Spider-Man. Right. That's, you know, so it's it's not just about him creating for himself. He's also figuring out how to make everyone else's lives better within the MCU, at least. Um, and I think that is business owners is what we get to to look at our business. It's not just about making our lives better, because let's be honest, we all want a business because we want to make our lives better. But it's also about what we can do to make other people's lives better. And I think that's an amazing thought process. I mean, you brought up his relationship with Peter Parker. Like, that is a pure, dyed-in-the-wool mentorship situation. Here's someone with domain expertise who's been doing this for a long time, who understands that he's got all this money to basically fake power because he can manufacture it. Amazing. Good for him. And then he meets this wayward teenager that could scale walls and doesn't have parents. And he's just like, oh, okay, I'm going to teach this kid how to be resilient and also give him a better suit so he doesn't die when he gets kicked (laughs) off a bridge. Like, you know, great. That's solving a problem. Get in there. Get after it. But I think that's so great because, you know, what's the difference between Tony Stark and Lex Luthor, right? Switching to D.C., But like the the billionaire villain or Doc Ock or any of the Spider-Man villains are this really good example of these rich megalomaniac dudes. And I think you're right. I think it's that care that's about solving problems for people other than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what every business owner, no matter what you're doing in business, like Tony Stark, actually, he built his billion dollar business because it was an actual business, like providing mm-hmm. things within mm-hmm. the the world. It wasn't just, 
hey, I'm, you know, a, a, I'm Iron Man kind of thing, right? Iron Man was a yep. subset. It was an offshoot mm-hmm. of like the way he was seeing the world behave. Right. Um, and when we're looking at our business, it doesn't matter if you're selling a widget or you're selling, you know, uh, your services. The goal is to make other people's lives better, easier, more um, convenient, depending on what it is you're selling. And if we look at it from that perspective, it takes kind of the ego out of it, right? Then it's not Mm -hmm. about us. And that was, Mm -hmm. I will say Tony Stark's ego is huge. Like, huge, (laughs) huge, huge, planetary, huge ego. Yeah, Yeah. it's got gravitational force. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So that doesn't correlate as well. Um, However, I think for most people, if you think about it from a perspective of making other people's lives better, it helps us take our ego out of it so that we're not the thing. Well, and you said something so brilliant there, and I'm going to paraphrase. I wish I had the exact term, but you're like, he's very aware of how the world works. Yes. Right. He pays attention. He's a student of the world. He's a student of human behavior. He's a student of trends. Right. And seeing what direction things are falling. And and that allows him to problem solve. Right. Exactly. So he's problem solving for the world and he's problem solving for himself, whether it's on a micro level, like, you know, my suit needs to be able to order pizza or on a macro level, like we have crumbling infrastructure that needs to be immediately fixed. Okay. Okay. But if you're not paying attention. Yeah. You don't know what to cling to, I guess. And it's also about how you're thinking, right? Like I Mm -hmm. always, I always say one of the things I've learned through my own personal development training is that it's what people think isn't important. It's how they're thinking that's important. And the thing about Tony Stark is how he thought. He saw it from a global perspective. He wasn't just looking, he was looking out for the little guy. However, well, depends on, you know, the episode, but he was looking out for the little guy. However, he was looking at it from a global perspective. How is this person going to impact the world? Um, And I think... Well, and that's, that's the central conceit of the MCU, which is that every single one of us has something we can contribute and that we're stronger together. Right. Like that's, that's the whole dang thing. So I love that idea of like, I'm empowering the one for sake of the many, because I understand the power of the one. It's one of the reasons that I work in the coaching industry. Like most of my clients are coaches, consultants, info providers, that kind of thing, because I truly believe that they have the opportunity to make massive changes in the world by the people they coach. So it's this ripple effect. I get to help them help more people who help more people. And it's just this ripple effect that we all get then get a hand in changing the world in in a way that we maybe never expected. Right. Because it is so much wider than we think. It's so like our impact is so much more than the reach of a tweet. Right. We look at those metrics, but the metrics that are really making change are not quantifiable. It's how does raising someone's confidence affect in business affect the way they parent? It's how does getting someone to face and hear their trauma affect the company that they found next? We don't know. We're never going to know. 
it's too far reaching for us. But what we can do is we can look for the people that we most want to support and we can move heaven and earth and to get them where we want them to go and compensate ourselves in the process. Because Tony Stark also ain't doing anything for free. No, he's a billionaire. He's a businessman. He's He's got to sustain that success. He's got to make more money. And he also, I think, understands that it's an exchange of energy, right? He gives and then some and someone gives him back. And that's, I think, from a sales perspective, you know, jumping into your territory a little bit. I think that's one of the things that people (laughs) one of the things that people often um, they feel bad about selling because they're like, you know, I don't know, whatever their money mindset problem is. But if you look at it from an exchange of energy, right, people are going to be more invested in something they invest in. They're going to do the thing when they've paid for it. The least expensive thing, let's just, let's talk about your t-shirts, right? Your, your, you know, $5 t-shirt that you don't care if it gets ruined or not, as opposed to your $50 shirt that, you make sure it gets washed and hung properly. Also, can we talk about the fact that a t-shirt costs $50 now? <laughs> Actually, that's a rant for a different day. <laughs> All right. Listen, I got two more questions for you before I release you back to your majestic day. I, I feel like you and I could just rant about everything forever. We could. We could and we will, but just not right now. Um. All right. Two more questions for you. So the first one is, you have been brought on as a coach for Stark Industries. <laughs> and as such, you have a you have been provided a digital marketing iron digital marketer suit. Okay? You have an <laughs> iron digital marketing suit. Uh what is one of the functions capabilities of your iron digital marketing strategist suit? It's not nearly as fun as you think. It's data. Oh, yeah. No, that's fun. Yeah. Just have I mean, most like, people don't think so. Yeah. Know, but we're it's... nerds. So it's like, ooh, <laughs> the little screen that pops up that's like, right? that's 22.1%, Annie. Why, thank you, suit. Like, that's exactly. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I want a sales suit that does math and projections for me. I'll be like, what percentage is that suit? And it'll be like, it's what? I mean, I guess if I just wanted an Alexa I could wear, I guess. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But it's also <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's looking at the data as a whole and understanding yes. where you're going with it, especially in marketing. If you're not looking at your data in marketing, oh, you are not doing it right. Well, there's that lensing again, right? Like, what are we paying attention to? And what are we ignoring? And what are we analyzing? What trends are we seeing? What growth are we spotting? What metrics are we tracking? What KPIs are we after? Like, it's all that worldview that we need to adopt so we can make sure we're doing our best to enable the Peter Parkers in our lives. Yes, absolutely. Even when we are the Peter Parkers in our own lives, you know? You know? All right. This is off the rails. Listen, I have one more question for you, which is, what is the best way for our listeners to come into your world, to learn about your work, to hire you in that savvy iron marketer suit? How can they find you? So if they head over to virtualmarketingexpert.com, 
<laughs> messed up my own website, virtualmarketingexpert.com. Or if you just want to listen to me, you can head over to Marketing Matchmaker. That's the podcast that I that I run. It's on YouTube and and Apple and all of the podcasting platforms. All of those links will be in the show notes. So look no further. Jennifer Tamborski, I am so freaking glad that you're on my squad and I'm on yours. Together, I feel like we can really turn into some marketing superheroes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, before <laughs> I, I you, try to beleaguer that anymore, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. Y'all, I'm going to recover from that transition and I'll be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for this week. Well, hey there. Entrepreneurship can feel a whole lot like failing at being a superhero. There are so many hats to wear, clients to help, problems to solve, bad guys to outperform. What's a well-intentioned do-gooder to do with all this weight on their shoulders? In reality, the wonderful truth is that most of our businesses aren't life and death. No cosmic supervillain is threatening our existence, except maybe the Facebook algorithm. No beloved family members will succumb to terrible fates if we fail to be in the right place at the right time. But that doesn't mean we aren't wildly powerful beyond our imaginings. But the gift and talent we carry is one we were born with. No radioactivity or freak accidents required. It's our attention and our enthusiasm. Think back to a time when you were drowning in awkward social media silence, a.k.a. crickets. How ardently did you wish for someone to come along and discover you, boost you, validate you? This week, your homework is to go be that hero by practicing social listening. Go to your social platform of choice, turn off all distractions, and don't Leave until you fully allow yourself to be delighted and inspired 10 times over. Find 10 posts at a minimum that change your mind, challenge your thinking, move a needle for you, or even evoke an emotional response. Then tell the poster exactly what transpired in the comments. You are not allowed to say great post or yes or drop emojis in the place of real shared experience. Tell them why it was great, what elicited the yes. Gush a little before you throw up those celebration hands. Make the poster feel seen and appreciated. If the MCU has taught us anything, it's that actions have far-reaching ripples beyond what we can understand. I don't know exactly how doing this this week will change your business. You might get a new client, make a friend, or even a nice pocket of new followers. But in any event, you'll be changing the internet for the better. And that, my friend, is pretty damn heroic. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. 
And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbasio, And my show art creator, Francois Vigneault. See you next time. <laughs>